all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am, of course, Michael Flores, your host in this adventurous discussion into Star Wars Resistance Season 1, Episode 13, Dangerous Business. And I'm in the studio in the Back to Tank taking a dip. Nude. Yes, Dave. Nude. With David. Hello. Well, at least there's a back to suit in between us. Yes. I do have some flippers on. (laughs) Some flippers on. (laughs) All right. So... We had an episode that had some pretty serious implications for the bigger story of Star Wars, and it did take me by surprise, even though, Dave, even though we had seen the mid-season trailer and we knew that this was coming, we knew that the bigger picture of Star Wars was eventually going to connect with Star Wars Resistance, but it doesn't make it that less exciting that a show that, in my opinion, has been struggling to find itself is is finally connecting to the bigger stories making it's making itself relevant, relevant. David. yeah that's relevant. the whole point is like at this point rebels are i mean like resistance has to make itself relevant to the star wars universe and there's no better way right now than to connect it to the first new trilogy which is force awakens and yeah it might even cross over into the last jedi who knows I mean, we don't we don't know where what it kind of has to happen, right? I mean, we I think we talked about this a bit last week. It kind of has to. It kind of has. Force Awakens and Last Jedi are butted up against each other. So how do you how do you wonder yourself? How do you how do you write your narrative, the Resistance narrative, into Force Awakens without also dipping your toes into last Jedi territory. Literally yeah. they happen right after each other. Especially especially since we know that from the from the mid season trailer, we know that basically we're leading up to the point of Starkiller Base. That is the climax of Force Awakens. We also know that Resistance was renewed for a second season. So if your finale is the Battle of Starkiller Base well, we're assuming. Ha- but we're assuming. Yeah, we're assuming. You have to lead right into Next Jedi if you go, or Last Jedi, when you go into second season. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm thinking we may end up getting some really good Star Wars by the end. If they can get their shit together with some of the the ridiculous silliness, silliness that kind of distracts. And listen, I'm going to take a win, Dave. So I'm not going to complain about it because I feel like this episode was a, was an end, of course, the mid-season finale. were two yes. episodes that... I feel like um, we're worthy of having the Star Wars title attached. So hopefully they are going to be moving continually in this direction. Well, they started the mid-season, uh, mid-season with that last episode really well. I, I mean, me and you were both on record saying that it caught us by surprise. We thought they did a fantastic job bringing the 
bringing the season back. Yes. And yeah, for sure. They had to con- continue that momentum into the next following episodes to keep keep the fan base wanting more. Yeah. Yes. All right. So this episode was directed by Saul Aris and written by Eugene Sun. Earlier this season, Eugene Sun had written the episode Fuel for the Fire, which I believe was a pretty good episode. Um, now, the First Order is getting more and more brazen. I do enjoy seeing this idea of a military group or militia slowly forming. Yeah. Consolidating their power and forming a strategy all under the nose of the New Republic. It definitely adds to The Force Awakens because you kind of wonder how the fuck did Leia the new and the new Republic not learn their lesson with the rise of the empire and with the knowledge they now have that Darth Sidious was manipulating all the politicians and the Senate into thinking that there was a greater threat and creating that threat in the form of the separatist Confederacy. It would actually make sense that Leia would work to form a resistance cell, especially knowing how manipulative your enemies can be, especially if your enemy stays within the shadows, i.e. the Phantom Menace. Yes. So I like it. It really is. It's fun and it justifies the resistance. This is a problem you and I, one of the few problems we had with The Force Awakens, which is a movie we both really enjoyed. Uh, But the only problem was, as we've said numerous times, Who the fuck is a resistance and why are they here when you have the new Republic? Well, now we kind of start seeing why now that they're pulling back that curtain a bit, we can now understand why there is a resistance because the first order is working under the radar. They're working under the shadows. They, they, it's very, it's very Palpatine style. The fact that they're, they're using pirates and other criminals to do their, their overt dirty work so that they're not caught with their hands in the cookie jar. That way they don't represent a true threat. Nobody really knows what they're doing. Yeah. And I do appreciate the fact that to a lot of people, because we saw it with the, with the children of Tehana, Tehraner, I think where they mentioned that even like the mysterious connection of Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren's army is not considered part of the first order. So, the fact that, that there's so much mystery behind the First Order really does harken back to like what you said, like the Phantom Menace, where you have Sidious and Maul sitting in the background corrupting the corrupting the Senate mm-hmm. from within. And it really does make me watching like resistance and seeing stories about like what happened before Force Awakens really wants me to know about Snoke. Yeah. Because Snoke makes you is want like, to learn more, yeah. Okay, so Snoke was essentially doing what Palpatine was doing or trying to within the shadows. Right. And I love the fact that basically that plays on the core tenets of Star Wars since George Lucas about everything being cyclical. Like they're there everything comes in cycles. You know, the light and the darkness have to rise. Great point, yeah. And everything comes it comes in cycles. And without when the when the Empire fell, there was Everything was thrown out of balance again. And we all know in Star Wars, the key mythos is about keeping the balance. So something has to rise out of the darkness. Yes. And that's where the first order comes from. That's where Kylo Ren is and everything else. And I enjoy the fact that they still keep that tenet alive by showing that everything's cyclical. Everything constantly history, quote, unquote, repeating itself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This episode did a lot 
to the overall story of Star Wars. And even though the actual story of the show really didn't get started until the last 10 minutes of the episode. And yeah. again, you're dealing with a show that is what runs 23, maybe 25 minutes when you take commercials into effect mm-hmm. into account, I should say. Um, so about 50% was kind of a buildup, I guess when you break it down that way. But I do like that they're ex- working on expanding the universe as a whole, because that's what these shows should do. There's, if you don't, if you have a Star Wars show that doesn't add to the overall story, then why is it on the fucking air? Exactly, it shouldn't and, be. It shouldn't be called Star Wars, and it shouldn't be broadcasting. These shows need to add to the bigger story. Period. Otherwise, it just then they're just inconsequential, and nobody's really going to care. So that was a huge strength for me this week. Yeah, and I I really did enjoy the fact that they continued showing that basically it's just not the characters that we we know are connected to the First Order. There's other characters out there that are uh, are connected to the First Order. And when they introduced uh, this episode's quote-unquote villain, that, that uh, merchant, and showing that he was connected to the First Order, it actually adds more teeth to the First Order yeah, itself. Yeah, I like teeth, Dave, as I said before. A little bit of teeth is good sometimes. A little, a little bit. Not too much. If you give too much teeth, then basically it takes everything off. Yeah. It takes everything off? <laughs> wow. Your girlfriend must have some razor sharp teeth. It's like a fang. It's like a paring knife. Look at <laughs> it. Scaling it. Scale it. <laughs> Scalp your dickhead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, the synopsis for this episode, Dave. In exchange for parts, Kaz mines acquisitions for flicks and orca and comes into conflict with a shady alien customer in league with the first order. All right. So at face value, the episode appeared to be inconsequential as, as we were saying, but by the end we realized that something bigger is in fact at play. Uh, Tara, I believe is how you say his name. Tara key. Tara key was working at the behest of the First Order. When we find this out, this is when the episode gets fun and gets interesting. In fact, it's when I started paying closer attention. I, I found myself kind of zoning out because of the over-the-top silliness of the first act. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, oh, God, we just we were on the right track, and we just took a few steps back. But after I noticed that this episode was, in fact, relevant i actually had to rewind the episode and start over because i want to make sure i didn't miss anything when i was zoning out yeah it took me this episode took me at least like four replays to actually pick out pieces and everything else because just like what you said the first half of it you almost kind of zoned out because they started falling into the tropes of first season well the first half yeah first half of the season yeah the first half of the season and I agree. That's why that's why it took this episode. It's not bad. I think it's just basically that it took some time it took for some us time for it to actually get to its story and to its narrative. Yeah. Which, again, I, I don't know if you really have a lot of time and that might. That's a bit of a writing issue. You don't really have a lot of time when you're dealing with a show that, again, the total running time is maybe 23 to 25 minutes episodes of clone wars and rebels same thing but they they didn't really waste a lot of time there was never 17 18 minutes of silliness and then oh uh, by the way we do have a story 
But after that, after we did get into the story, the, the, the importance, the meat of the narrative, things did escalate very quickly. Yes. Uh, Kaz took down a ship. Amazing. <laughs> took down On a, his own. I started laughing because when that ship started exploding and it just was plummeting into the ocean, it reminded me a bit of like a C-3PO Jar Jar Binks type thing where the unsuspecting... The- Hero, hero yeah. takes down this behemoth of a you know a spacecraft or a droid. So it was kind of silly, but it was fun. I also liked seeing that BB-8 was involved in some hand-to-hand combat. Honestly, BB-8 always makes me chuckle. Yeah, uh, and honestly, I, I feel like BB-8 and Niku might be my two of my two favorite comic relief slash style characters that have been introduced recently into Star Wars. Uh, BB-8 was great in Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. It kind of took a backseat in The Last Jedi, except for a few moments. Uh, but Niku is 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 really growing on me, which is strange because I'm not a guy that likes those slapstick t- type of characters. But there's something about him that really works. His sense of his lack of sense of humor, yeah. I, I feel, really works for for this show. It's the way that they deliver and the timing of his humor actually works. Unlike, yeah, it doesn't feel forced like everything else. The one thing I I really took away from this that actually after the third time I watched it that actually talking about with Niku, uh, with with this episode in in general, oh. the one thing that I actually realized was they're trying to actually I don't know if they're trying to separate Kaz from the humor now because you you have those moments like in the very beginning yeah right. where he shows that he's a mechanic and I was like kind of surprised that hey. Jaeger doesn't make any comics. No one does any comments about how inept Kaz is. Kaz actually did the job. Yeah, there was that one pilot that basically said, oh, you still made this mistake. And I kind of grimaced at that, but there was no humor behind it. Right. And I'm trying to figure, I think they're trying to actually separate Kaz from that Nico element. No, I would agree with that. I would, I would, uh, I definitely picked up on that as well. I feel like, um, the they were trying to paint Kaz a little more capable. Yeah, capable. Uh, despite some of the buffoon antics in the shop when he oh, couldn't yeah. find the droid oil, <laughs> Kaz installed new parts into the fireball, as you mentioned, and got himself out of trouble. All while stumbling upon a first order plot, which then led to him taking down the ship that was trying to make off with the phase connector. Yeah, and without without actually. You know, anything we would expect Kaz to be really goofy throughout the entire episode. But about the third time I watched this, I started re- realizing, wait a minute, Kaz, number one, saved himself. Yeah. He didn't need anybody else's help. Which is a win because Kaz needs to do things on his own. On his Outside own. of the, the the sidekick style characters like Niku or yeah. BBA or even that dumb little alien with the na- with the teeth. Yeah, Bebo. Yeah. E- is that who it is? I think it's Bebo. No, no, they got rid of Bebo. Oh, that yeah, was, they got rid of Bebo. Yeah. Right. Um, it, re- regardless, I don't mind them pairing him up with sillier characters, but pairing him up with characters that are more capable than him undermines our lead. Undermines our lead. Just a bit. I mean, if there's a if there's a protege and apprentice moment, that's different. Yeah. But if there's a moment where he's just completely inept and we have Tam or... Uh, Who's uh I forgot the Sonora. Hispanic the Hispanic lady he likes girl, uh, 
not Sanara. The, the platform dude's daughter. Yeah. I forgot her name. Any, I forgot her name. Anyways, it, when they pair him up with them and he looks like an idiot and they're completely capable, that undermines that his, undermines his character just a bit. But what they did this week, I felt I felt really worked for his character development because it's something that we need. We need to see that he's growing. And that was for me, another takeaway with this episode is that we did, in fact, see him grow. We, we already know about the time jumps, right? Yes. We didn't expect large time jumps. We expected them to stay within a six-month period. But as we know, they're going to be jumping into Force Awakens. And we expect in six months for him to have grown and become more capable as not just a mechanic but a spy. And and we are finally seeing those those um those bits of growth of growth in this episode. But, uh, and then you have like the moments with the shop. It's like, yeah. okay, they take a step back. But the question that I had is, is this, is Kaz just playing up to it then? Does he just act like the buffoon now? I, because if you think about it, if everyone thinks you're a buffoon, <laughs> you might as well use it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think they, I don't think he's, I think you're giving him too much credit. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the writers are thinking that either. I honestly, so, um, but, but I'm hoping though, Dave, that now that we're getting some positive growth on Kaz, I'm hoping once the cat is let out the bag and everyone starts to figure out that Kaz works for the resistance, I'm hoping that Niku becomes more of a sidekick of Kaz and works with him because he's so good. Yeah. And, and he's the comic relief we need. He is the comic relief we need. And that, that's why it's very it's very interesting how they use Niku throughout this season because every time they've used Niku, it's been very smartly. Like this in this episode, they they used him very less. And very away, less. Or very uh less than usual <laughs> very, less. very less but they used him they used him sparingly in this episode and i think it was to actually like what we were discussing is like giving kaz more growth yeah yeah you're right by, absolutely by taking away niku a little bit without a doubt uh but if once we get as into a position where he can where we realize as an audience that he's a capable individual i feel like pairing him more often with Niku, it might help the writers balance out some of the silliness that muddies Kaz's development yes. and they can switch it over to Niku rather than relying on Kaz to be the comedy relief because I understand why they need characters like this this is a kid's show and you need those fun moments however you have to remember that there's also adults watching the show, this is Star Wars and no matter how Lucasfilm wants to, the new direction for Lucasfilm and, and you hear these these comments these wry comments on social media. Oh, you know, uh, people are complaining about resistance. It's a kid's show. Like it's star Wars. It's still star Wars. It's first and day. foremost star Wars. And let's be honest here. According to Lucas, all of star Wars is designed for kids. So that being said, we didn't have these problems in other star Wars iterations. So exactly. Th yes. So that's the, that, that excuse is null and void. It is. It it it's a lame excuse, honestly, to say to say that. Well, something is used as a as a kids as a kids show, or that's their demographic. So we'll make it towards that. No, because like all of the demographic of Star Wars is, for the most part, for young kids. For young kids. But you've always managed to make them the Lucas and and Lucasfilm and Filoni with Clone Wars has always managed to make them also appeal to adults. 
But as I said, it looks like we're going in that direction with yeah. resistance. I'm glad they are working to course correct just a bit. Uh, but dude, have you noticed that that Niku is um, a cross between Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy and C-3PO? Yes. I, I think that's why he works so well. Because number one, let's, so well. let's be honest, Drax is one of the best characters in Marvel, period. Oh, he makes... A, it, it, honestly, the way they've actually portrayed Drax in, in the movies really is one of the highlights of both of the movies. Yeah. And whether see, you like the second one or not, Drax is or even, even in the second one, Drax was like probably the MVP of that movie to make it really enjoyable for me. Yeah. And the C3, C3PO archetype, let's just be honest, it works very well. It, it always has. It's been regurgitated numerous times in different Star Wars iterations. We have, all these different types of droids that are built on the back of the C-3PO archetype. So Niku works and he's a unique type of character, but at the same time, uh, he's also a character that's directly derived from some of our classic Star Wars archetypes, right? Yes, absolutely. Because like, if you look at the way Leia talks to C-3PO, even in like last Jedi, it's very similar to how, certain characters in resistance talk to Niku. Yes. Because agreed. it's that character that basically has that simple sense of common sense, even though that common sense might not work at the situation. You're talking about Niku? Yeah, Niku. Yeah. yeah. Like most but isn't of those, that, but isn't that the 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 funny part about it? Isn't that's that the, the funny humor? part. Yeah. yeah. That's that that's just like what you said. It goes to like C-3PO talking about how to be, how he's a protocol droid and this is the 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 chances of this working is like so uh, uh, so astronomical and so but it doesn't matter <laughs> because they're yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Agreed. Now, what's the deal, Dave, with uh with this phase connector? We we've got some theories, not that we needed to be a crackerjack sleuth to figure it out. Yeah. It was a little bit heavy handed, but we're going to get into that in just a moment. But first, it's a live read time, Dave. Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital pledge to gain more access to Star Wars from the back to tank discussions. While you gain more discussions and more things to listen to while you're on your way to work or taking a poop or whatever you do with your day while you listen to podcasts, um, you also help us stay alive. You help us survive the the podcasting expense waters by pledging $5 or more a month. You gain access to all of our Star Wars content. And we do a lot, Dave. We do books, comics. I haven't done a book in a while just because I kind of got burnt out on that last one. Yeah. It kind of, for the first time in my life, I was just zapped of any enthusiasm. Honestly, dude, there is a lot of great books out there. There are a lot of great books, and we cover them. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Also, Pozu is currently offering 25% off on all Ray boots. Prepare to step into Star Wars, the Pozu footwear collaboration wearing boots and sneakers inspired by some of the films, uh, including BB-8 high top, the Kylo Ren high top, and the Ray high boot, which is inspired, of course, by Ray's iconic knee boot is it really iconic at this point uh, is that is that a bit much did they are they putting themselves over a bit and uh you know i should probably remain silent because uh, now we're gonna lose pozu <laughs> now we're gonna lose pozu <laughs> Uh, but anyways, head over to uh, our website rayman and you'll find various banners that you want to click on 
uh, especially uh, specifically on this actual show page. Once this show goes on demand, click on those links and they'll take you to those discounts. Right? Yeah. All right. Okay, Dave. What does the first order need with the phase connector? God, there's so much there's so much speculation about this one. That's that's the that was the thing I was surprised with doing research afterwards. Mm-hmm. Everyone was wondering what is the importance of this phase connector? Right. Because like it it has to deal with Starkiller Base. Or, well, or it okay. Now now they said it can rip apart asteroids or planetoids. Yeah. And also can be used for mining purposes. Mining purposes. That was the big thing. And I'm like going, so is is this simply a part they need for Starkiller Base, as you just alluded to, or will this be used for something entirely different, but equally nefarious? Exactly. And that's what that's why I was like going. And and also the one thing that I thought about was everyone's saying it's Starkiller Base, but I'm like going, by this point, Starkiller Base is already built. It has to be built, right? Because well, we saw it in the very beginning. We saw Starkiller Base already semi-built. And that's why I'm... It's hard to say. It's really hard to say because based on the trailer, we know that Kaz will come face to face with the First Order. Yes. And the war will wage against the New Republic and the Resistance. But I'm not sure whether or not this phase connector is for the Starkiller base. If you remember, the Death Star needed kyber crystals. Yes. So I can't believe that a phase connector that is very easy to get would be what the First Order needs for something as big as Starkiller Base, right? Yes. That's now, why that's why I was like thinking to myself, I mean, we we discussed this in the past about some kind of there's been talk that there's been kind of super weapon that Kylo Ren is building. Because we we know that something's going to happen in uh episode 9 with right. Kylo Ren. Right. And that's why I, I it was fun seeing everyone basically say, is this going to be connected to the new movie? Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> it would be cool, right? It'd but, be cool. But don't we? Okay. If the phase connector was introduced in this show, and this show is about the resistance leading up to the Force Awakens and obviously now bleeding into the Force Awakens, would they really want to introduce something that they can't really? Let's be honest. The resistance isn't going to be the first one to delve into any waters. It never, it probably won't be. No. A, a movie. Ha- Something as important as uh, episode nine, they're not going to rely on resistance setting, you know, planting those seeds. And I'm kind of hoping it doesn't have anything directly to do with Starkiller base as a weapon that, that their main super weapon. That would be, I feel a little silly, but it can definitely be a, a, a minor part that they need for Starkiller base. I'd be OK with that. It was a little heavy handed. So that's why I'm kind of leaning to the side that it is for Starkiller base. Yeah. And that's no. why that's why it, it it was interesting that they never really did explain what was what's the importance of this item to anything. But we know it's important because uh Commander Pyre was rather upset that he didn't get it. <laughs> so Yeah. The question then became afterwards because after after the second time I watched it, it dawned on me like like, wait a minute. Starkiller base should be done by now. What does yeah. he well, need this for? We saw it in the didn't we see Starkiller Base in the um We saw it in the, the very premiere, beginning. Yeah, the premiere episode. Because at the very end you see the silhouette of Starkiller Base already built into the planet. And it doesn't mean that Starkiller Base was 
was finished, as we saw in the Return of the Jedi with the uh, Death Star. The Death Star. Yeah. It, it wasn't complete, you know, so, but it still had its, its, I forget what it's called, its satellite weapon panel. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Is that what they called it? Um, The satellite dish. Or the dish. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm definitely interesting I, to see. You know what? The goal, whatever, whatever they were doing this week, I feel like they, they succeeded in the goal. And in a major goal that any television show writers want for their show, it created intrigue and created a lot of intrigue and, and a discussion, Dave, that's not negative. This is the first moment I want to say in resistance that has created a dialogue on social media that wasn't negative. It was like, Oh, okay. What's this phase connector? What is this all about? And that's a win for any show. So my hats off to the writers for, uh, of resistance this week for, being able to create some positive dialogue online. And what was amazing and too, intrigue that made it was funny because after I started researching, researching this, I started noticing that normally when questions like this come out, Pablo or Filoni come out or it's a answer it. And they didn't. Right. This time they didn't. Yeah. They were really quiet about it. Yeah. So I was like, going, wait a minute. They're not answering anything. Pablo usually answers. Pablo, what are you up to? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. So that's what, and, and and the beautiful thing was instead of like just like you say, creating negativity, this created like almost like a bubble of like positivity for uh, among like the discussions of like what could this mean? Does this tie into the new movies? Does this is, does this have to deal with the leak about like Kylo Ren's weapon that basically drills into a planet and destroys the planet? Oh, that's right, Dave. I forgot about that rumor. R- yeah. R- remind People the audience. Were, remind the audience about well, that rumor. There was a leak that basically, of course, in episode nine, there has to be another super weapon. And they were talking mm-hmm. about that. Well, it can't be a Death Star. It can't be this. And then concepts of a weapon started actually leaking about like some kind of a world devastator, a world right? devastator, which is from Dark Empire, which is from Dark Empire, a retcon comic series. And that the, was amazing. The The way that the weapon works is it drills into the planet and then saps the planet of all of its life force oh, and kills it. OK, Dave, suddenly your theory about it being used for a weapon for episode nine Makes sense, and now and, that, and a lot of other fans were actually talking, discussing about the, and it, and just like we said, it was really positive discussion. Everyone good was call going, back, Dave, because I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I'm still going to stand by what I said that I feel like resistance is a little inconsequential to be so directly connected to a major plot element of Episode Nine. But hey, I also said that Darth Maul or any of these characters would. I never said I said that they will never use the cartoons to dictate major moments in movies. And yet we saw Darth Maul be brought back to life in movies based on what we saw in the cartoons. And I always I never really thought they would do something like that. Use a element from the cartoon as a major plot point for a movie. So, you know, Dave, this is a new era. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. It would be really cool. And I'm a little more excited now that you remind me that could be an awesome moment. All right. So let's talk a little bit about some some interesting tidbits, Uh, not Easter eggs, but um, cool things that I like that I like when the writers from these Star Wars cartoons or these expanded universe aspects like comics and books, they use old things from 
either things that were not used from the archives uh, or moments, planets, I should say, characters that were retconned. Yes. Now, the Terra Keys design, Terra? Terra. I, I, I keep I forgetting his name. Terra. Terra. Terra Keys design is based on a Katerian alien lurking in the Canto Bight Casino yep. in The Last Jedi, according to, uh, I believe it's called The Bucket List on StarWars.com, where they hear interesting things like this, background stuff, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, in the film, he's a creature design, KO2O, using the creature's shop coding system, a hotel concierge named Tirib Igmusk, played by Keith D. Winter. Um, also, his uniform and starship bear the black and gold mining guild logo first developed. Check this out, Dave. For the 1997 Star Wars role playing game box set Lords of the Expanse. Yes. It appeared on screen in Star Wars Rebels as well. Uh, also inspired by the master. While Flix isn't exactly part Gungan, as he claims in the episode, he is a new alien species designed for the show, but this is where the fun gets started. But based off on based off an original Ewok sketch by Ralph McQuarrie. Yes. And, and Ralph McQuarrie, dude, if they don't take any any of his ideas, it just doesn't feel like Star Wars because Ralph McQuarrie is kind of like that that person just like George Lucas that is in charge of that visual look of Star Wars. Yeah. And that's something we always praise, especially Filoni, since he was the yeah. man. I mean, that guy borrowed so many, I want to say, ideas, sketches from Ralph McQuarrie's early work that was um, trashed or they decided to go a different direction. And he used them for his TV shows, both Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. So to see them using similar things for Resistance... It feels right. It feels right. It's something that you and I have always talked about when it comes to Star Wars. Use the original artists that were involved. Make sure you're always using those designs to help with your new designs because then it feels more uh, sincere to the world of Star Wars. It feels more cohesive. Yeah. All right, Dave. So it's time for our final thoughts. Why don't you start uh, in a nutshell, overall feelings and thoughts on this episode. Go. Overall feelings about this episode. I found this episode to be basic it was adequate about just like what you said midway through that's when the episode starts picking up we could look past the silliness and everything so it kind of felt like they were trying to subtly show the the shift and shift in the series by going from goofy <laughs> goofy to semi semi-serious in tone um i enjoyed a lot of like what we were discussing about like the hidden Easter eggs for a change in resistance mm -hmm. because like, just like what you said, the whole phase connector thing, the connection of Terra key and all the different aliens that we saw this episode start. If this was one of those episodes that started feeling like it was star Wars, I agree. And yeah. overall I would give this a solid, probably a C plus as an episode does it want me to, it still wants me to know more what, what's going on. Is Kaz going to actually figure out about the first order? I want to see what commander Pyre does now, because at this point, Pyre is now angry. I want to see Tara Key get killed. 
<laughs> I, I mean, not because I hated them, but because let's let's show the, the, the teeth, the, of, the the teeth of the first order. Yeah. And like. I really hope that they, again, kind of subtly show the importance of that phase connector. What is it tied to? Do you think it's going to be a, uh, an important part moving forward? I want it to be an important part moving forward, honestly, yeah. because like not just a simple plot device to for this episode alone. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it, it was it was something that was obviously very important because Pyre Pyre was not too happy with Terra Key. And just like what you said, it looked like Pyre was actually going to eliminate Key because if people know about the phase connector, that's more dangerous than Starkiller base. And we know Starkiller Base is already built. So why does Pyre want this piece? Who is he going to anger? That's the problem. Yeah. And that's what that's what caused a lot of people to question because, like, normally Pyre answers to, um, oh, my God, I could, but yeah, Captain Phasma. But yeah, Phasma. Phasma. I think if he would, if he were to get that angry, like what you said to kill, kill Terraki, He's not going to do that because he's afraid of Phasma. And someone pointed this out. He would get angry and kill Terraki if this angered Kylo Ren. Because Kylo Ren, we all know what, you know, Ben Solo, his little tantrums, he has no qualms killing people. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, I'm very interested to see where, if this episode continues its narrative and basically what is the importance of this moment? Yeah. All right. Well, my, my thoughts are similar. Um, I, I get this episode probably a C plus as well. Um, it's definitely on the right track. Yes. Uh, as we had mentioned, the, the show definitely needs to turn a corner and become a little more relevant in terms of the bigger picture of Star Wars. It does feel like they are turning that corner. And this episode was an example of that promise that was... Uh, Definitely made in that mid-season trailer. I, I can't imagine that mid-season trailer being meant meant for anything other than, hey, guys, we promise this show is going to take us there. It's going to get important. It is going to be one of those shows that the bulk of the Star Wars fans are going to want to watch because if you don't, you're going to miss some key moments within the Star Wars universe. Uh, so I definitely give my my high praise to that, that it does look like we're going in that direction. Uh, the, the negative is that it took us nearly, I don't know, 15, 16 minutes to even get to the importance of an episode. And if yes. this was a regular episode of television, then that's fantastic pacing. If we're dealing with a show that has the running time of 47 minutes, 53 minutes. Okay. Um, okay, fine. But we're dealing with a show that has a running time of 23 to 25 minutes. And we waste more than, what, more than 50%? on moments that were kind of silly. I would say, like I mean, that, yeah. even his capability, Kaz's the, where we, we said one of the strengths of the episode was what Dave, the, the, the fact that they're showing Kaz in a different light, that he is actually a character that's competent. That's more competent. He's more capable, but even that part didn't really come into play until the, until the ending of the, the episode. And I, I'm, I'm, when you really break it down, Dave, there was a the story. The, the actual story itself was like six minutes. The yeah. actual the, when you break it all down, there's really six minutes of story. The rest of it was was um, 
silly moments. Right. That the, the three minutes or five minutes of real story we had was just connected through um, a string of weird buffoon antics. But overall, I feel like we are going in the right direction. I don't want to contradict what I just said, but I would like to see them focus a little bit more on giving us a more detailed story. Yes. Yes, you're going in the right direction, but that right direction was, like I said, five minutes of actual story. Yeah. So give us more. Can you imagine if they actually sit us down and give us what we got in Clone Wars and Rebels? Even the first season of Clone Wars, Dave, which is uh, debatably uh, the silliest of all this. No, no, no. It's not debatably. It is the silliest of all the seasons. And the show ended up turning a corner in the second season and, and just kind of got more and more mature as the story progressed. But with the first season, even with those episodes that you just kind of rolled your eyes, there was always heart to it. There is always a soul to it. You can feel that there was a, a purpose to the story, even if it was a childish, you know, PSA moment. The more you know. The more you know, yeah. It, but there was a there was heart to it. There was soul. With some moments and resistance, I, I don't feel like there's a soul to it. It's just kind of void of life. And that's what they need to change about this show. Because this is the only show that I've ever watched pertaining to Star Wars, meaning Clone Wars, Resistance or I'm sorry, Rebels, and of course our movies, that just felt void of, of an actual soul. So hopefully they'll, they'll now reclaim their soul from the bowels of hell. Right, Dave? That's the next step. That's the next step. <laughs> All right, so this concludes our discussion on Star Wars Resistance, Episode 13, Dangerous Business. We'll be back next week to discuss Episode 14. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the Force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper 1. And if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to FromTheBackToTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and that is to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly. And may the Force be with you. And long live... From the Back to Tank. And From the Back to Tank is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotank.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Tank, as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash From the Back to Tank. <laughs>